shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tray heads or tails. Let's go tails. Curveball. And it's tails. All right, let's go. Give me the ball. All right, you get the ball. Give him the ball. All right, Trey. Uh, easy one today. In your dynasty ranks, who you taking here? Amon Ross, St. Brown, or Chris Olave? All right. So two very, very good young receivers. I will go with Chris Olave. I think with Amon Ross, St. Brown, we kind of um, have seen some some really great production out of him uh back half of his rookie year really fantastic production his uh sophomore season i do think um he's going to be a valuable part of that offense for detroit but i do think that the ceiling is a little bit higher with alave he's a little bit more of a downfield threat and he put up uh, one of the best rookie seasons we've seen in recent history last year so i like the uh upside of alave and i i would say the baseline is pretty similar for these two Good stuff. Well, Tarek, I cheated a little bit. I see you have Amon Ra ahead of Alave. Tell us why. Yeah, I, I think this is pretty much interchangeable here. Like I could argue either side. So in the spirit of the exercise, for once, I'm going to disagree with Trey uh, and say that I do have Amon Ra St. Brown ahead of Chris Olave. And it's just because of what we've seen uh, in the NFL so far. So um, in his first year, 13.4 points per game. And then in his second year, 16.7 points per game, which was number 10 in the league. Uh, he also had a 28% target share and a 32% target rate, uh, the latter of which was number three in the league. All those stats per player profiler. Um, Amon Ra is, he plays in the slot and that's about it, but that's all you need for fantasy points. He's a perfect fit with Jared Goff. I just think through two years, we've seen uh, a locked and loaded wide receiver one in Dynasty. Um, Chris Olave, I, I probably agree with Trey a little bit higher upside due to, you know, how far down the field he plays, but um, more downside. All right. Well, good stuff, guys. I, I keep finding myself in the situation in startups where both of these players are available. And originally I had Amon Ra ahead of Olave. But the more startups that I've been in, the, the more I actually lean Olave. So uh, in the spirit of the way we used to do things, Trey, you win. You like that upside, don't you? <laughs> oh, that I, I feel like I forgot about, you know, like in the first 30 <laughs> episodes or so, our halftime segment actually had a winner. Yeah, that, was, that, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> Imagine keeping score, guys. Oh, God. Couldn't be me. Hey, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm pretty sure I won. <laughs> pretty sure you did, too. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I have Amon Ross St. Brown, number six. Chris Olave, number seven. Trey, you've got a little bit more of a gap. Uh, Chris Olave at six. And then between him and Amon Ra, you also have Tyreek Hill and Drake London. Um, and then it looks like Mitch. Where? Oh, Amon Ra St. Brown. No, that's that's Bill. I was like, I was looking at our other <laughs> friend who ranks with us uh, who hasn't updated his ranks in like 10 months. I have Chris Olave at six, Drake London at seven, and then Amon Ra St. Brown at eight. Okay. All right. So you would you would rather have Drake London than Amon Ra as well. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, I'm not mad at any of that. 
Yeah, and don't get me wrong on Amon Ross A. Brown, great player. I think his floor is extremely, extremely high, especially in PPR formats. I just think because of the nature of his relatively low A dot usage the first two seasons, I'm leaning more of these uh, second year receivers. Gotcha. To quote Matt Harmon, uh, Bud Light Cooper Cup is Amon Ross A. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I like that nickname. Bullet. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 89 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Bentria. With me, per usual, Trey Cryan and Marles Yates. Marles, intriguing coin toss, kind of playing around in a tier there. Uh, appreciated the question, but how are you doing otherwise? Oh, I'm good, man. A little, little busy day in the house morals today. A lot of a lot of running back and forth, but I'm glad we we're able to get this pod in. I'm excited about the episode. For sure, me too. Trey, what's going on, dude? Well, happy July 4th to everybody. Oh, yeah. I uh, hope, hope people are enjoying the time with the family. I guess if you're listening to this, it's probably the following day. Hope you had a good holiday weekend. Uh, this country is pretty dusty. Uh, you know, so for July 4th, I hope we're just uh, taking the time to hang out with friends, family, enjoy that day off of work if you can. Uh, for me, I'm happy to be talking about fantasy today with you boys. Yeah, you know, if you are listening to this podcast on release day, July 5th, it is actually Algerian Independence Day. So I always uh, mention that when I get the opportunity, text the Algerian in your life, Tahiyya Al Jazair. If you want to know how to spell that, just tweet me at Angry Tarek. All right, um, moving on. Today, uh, we're going to be talking quarterbacks, part two of our four-part series to dive a little bit deeper into our positional rankings as we refresh them throughout the summer. Last episode, in episode 88, we talked about the wide receivers. And before we jump into the quarterbacks, I wanted to ask you guys, was there any changes that you made to the wide receiver ranks after the discussion we had last week? If you just remained stone cold Steve Austin uh, after that, then, you know, respect me personally. After the conversation, I did, in fact, uh, take Zay Flowers from wide receiver 29 to wide receiver 25. So I put him ahead of guys like Terry McLaurin and Deontay Johnson, uh, as we talked about last week. Um, I went back to the flowers love, gave some flowers to Zay. So what about y'all? Uh, Mitch, did you make any changes? I already gave away what I did, the Amon Ra and Chris Olave thing I was struggling with. So that's that's pretty much all I did. Everything else looks the same. Yeah, the one I've been struggling with since then is the young guys, the young wide receiver twos in their team, that clump of Waddle, Higgins, and Smith uh, going before or after Devontae Adams. I think I'm going to move all three of them up ahead of Adams, which will push him down three spots, and that'll get me a little bit more in line with the market there. Uh, Just some of the question marks around that situation in Vegas have me a little scared off of my original rank of him there at 12, but uh, you know he's still pretty high upside for at least two more seasons. Looks like Tarek and I have Devontae all the way down at wide receiver 17, and it feels so wrong, but... It does. Yeah, but I, there's a lot of context here. There's a lot of really good young wide receivers, and 
I think in redraft, Devontae is going to be way higher. But this also kind of screams value, though. I'm not going to lie. It screams value, and the name right above him uh, goes in a similar range in startups, Cooper Cup. I think you guys are way too low on Cup. He's probably going to be the second or third receiver off the board in your redraft leagues this year. Maybe we're worried about Stafford. I mean, I don't know. You, you we're we're going to talk about Stafford. No, don't worry. Right. Uh, as we get into our quarterback ranks, we'll definitely talk about Matt Stafford. Um, I will also say coming out of that wide receiver episode, I am on a mission to make Drake London my highest rostered receiver across all of my leagues. The day after our uh, wide receiver episode came out, I traded Jalen Waddle and a third for Drake London in two seconds. Nice. Um, so now I've got him on four of nine teams, got some offers out in other places. So I can't say it enough. Drake London, almost certainly going to be my reputation receiver, but we'll talk about that in about a month or two. All right, moving on from receivers, putting that in the rearview mirror. Let's talk about quarterbacks. So again, Superflex is the default format especially for new dynasty leagues at least in the last three or four years so we're basically anytime we're talking about quarterbacks on this show you can pretty much assume super flex that's how we're valuing them in relationship to picks in relationship to other positions so for our first topic jumping right in i kind of want to skip over a quarterback one discussion last week or last episode we had the justin jefferson versus jamar chase i humored that Mitch and I have Patrick Mahomes. Trey has Josh Allen as number one, but I think it's really justifiable either way. I don't think there's like a necessary conversation to have. But what I'd like to discuss is just overall quarterback strategy in Dynasty Leagues. Like I said, it's been a few years since Superflex became the standard format among new Dynasty Leagues. And if you guys took a step back and kind of looked at your portfolio of teams, which at this point probably in the double digits, if not close... What is your typical approach to the position as a manager? Trey, what do you think? So basically, first off, I think it's really important to consider the league scoring and, and, and consider the roster construction when you're valuing your quarterback. I think for bigger rosters, uh, those onesies, like the quarterback position, um, I guess it's you know super flex, so it's not a onesie, but... Um, maybe, maybe less important, uh, conversely, towards a... Uh, you know, smaller roster construction or less teams in your league, you know, maybe you need to prioritize elite QBs a little bit more. Uh, but first off, understand your league scoring, the format and adjust accordingly. That said for, you know, let's say you're starting 10 and two of those are, are quarterbacks, including the super flex. I do think that there's a general tendency to overpay for QBs. And I don't think you have to uh, pay that QB premium. I think you can still be competitive uh, by finding value I think my ideal uh, team construction would be one elite quarterback with a handful of upside QB twos to fill that super flex spot. Uh, I do think targeting cheap starters is just good process in general. Uh, and that resulted in me having a lot of Geno Smith last year. He was the by far the cheapest starting quarterback that I could project uh, going into the season. So I was you know snapping him up off waiver wires everywhere I could, which ended up working out pretty, pretty well. Um, I also think just um, if you look at cheap starters who are hurt, uh, guys like um, Dak last year, guys like Kyler this year, I think that's really good process as well. That injury discount tends to work out pretty well at the QB position. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Rich. No, you go. You're good. 
I was just going to say, like, I've been astounded at Kyler Murray's price uh, for the last month or so. Anytime I'm in a startup, I feel like he's kind of like on the three, four turn uh, in ADP um, on uh, keep trade cut. He's 35 overall or QB 13. Uh, he's 26 years old. All reports are uh, his ACL is healing well. Yes, he probably won't play to start the year. But I mean, again, he's a 26 year old quarterback uh, on a long term contract. And all he's done as an NFL quarterback is be really good, especially scoring fantasy QB one every season in the league so far. Yeah, guys, I'm I'm right there with you. It's it's pretty crazy to see him continue to drop like a rock. I uh, I'm in a startup right now and I've already drafted Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence trading around getting two first round picks. And I'm sitting there on the fourth now just saying, well, if Kyler makes it here, I mean, am I really about to do this? And I I don't know. I think I might because his value is only going to go up. And I, I know that the, the sure. three elite quarterback strategy is not <laughs> not really the coolest. But, you know, I, I might make an exception. But to what you said, Trey, uh, I, I think that there are like seven or eight quarterbacks if you end on Justin Fields that are that are worth paying the price for in a startup in the first round and then after that like once you're past him I I think managers are tending to overpay for that for that position for that quarterback and uh, I I'm I'm not really willing to do that I'm really in like agreement here where I want to get that top quarterback I want to get a top seven top eight guy and then I'm going to be patient and hope that somebody like Danny Dimes or Kirk Cousins or somebody like that falls to me later. Yeah. And, yeah. and philosophically, uh, sorry to cut you off there, T, but I was just going to say it, it comes down to how much value you want to tie into that position, right? Because all that future value that's tied in quarterback, you're, you're not able to deploy elsewhere into your running back and your receivers. And when you've got uh, you're starting two running backs, starting three, four, five wide receivers, I think that that could potentially limit your upside and and make you less competitive with too much value tied up in one position like that yeah so generally how i feel like i've approached the quarterback position in my superflex dynasty leagues is in the startup like i'm resonating with you guys like trying to not overpay for that second quarterback um i mean i've been guilty of it in the past because i think i'm a little bit more like antsy to get the second elite quarterback than maybe y'all are um, I think like I fall victim to the roster construction fallacy a little bit more um, than I would like to admit. But like all things being equal, what I'd like to do is get the elite quarterback and then build value in other ways on my roster. That way, by the time we get to like year two or year three, I've built up enough value on my roster to where I can maybe s- maybe by market standards slightly overpay for you know the josh allen or or something like that or even you know a little bit further down the list um in like a dak prescott or an anthony richardson or something like that to where like i've built up enough value to where i can create an advantage at that second quarterback position uh really confidently um but i think it's really important when you're starting out like in a startup to you know conserve as much value as you possibly can and that usually means not trading up uh into the back end of the first round to get a second quarterback or something 
But Mitch, I, it, it seems like you recently did trade up in the first round in the startup to get a second elite quarterback. So kind of wondering like maybe a little bit more context on that. Well, if the opportunity is there, then then I, th- I think you you ought to consider it. So I traded back into the first because Trevor Lawrence was still there at the 11th pick. And I, I just wasn't expecting that. So that, that's when I made the move there. But um, I I feel like I've drawn like the 10th or the 11th or the 12th pick a lot recently. And if those quarterbacks are gone by then, I think it's important to take a guy like Bijan or uh, one of the top receivers like CeeDee Lamb or something like that. And uh, that I, I think that's the move. But like you got to stay stay water, as we say. And if the opportunity presents itself to go get two top seven quarterbacks, like you got to consider the price. So the uh, again, this is like Mitch's recent experience in a startup proves that these aren't like hard and fast rules. Uh, it's just about protecting the value on your team and not overpaying according to like market standards to get that second quarterback, especially in a startup. Um, okay. So I uh, appreciate y'all taking a step back there um, before we kind of dived a little bit deeper into the rankings. But like we said, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, they're going to be one and two for most people. But I wanted to ask, where does tier two start and end for you? And basically start, does does somebody like Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow, are they part of your tier one? Um, and if they're not, then, you know, where does tier two start and end? All right. Well, I'll... I'll take this one. I I think Jalen Hurts is the beginning of tier two, and he is like the indisputed number three quarterback in my opinion, but the top two are Mahomes and Josh Allen, and I tried to convince myself or talk myself into potentially taking Hurts over Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's put up over 400 points, fantasy points, the last three years, and Hurts hasn't done it once yet, so... Uh, I do acknowledge that Hertz had uh, one point higher points per game last year than Josh Allen, but there's just something uh, something about the Bills and Chiefs offense where it's just centered around those two quarterbacks there, and we know the Eagles like to establish it, so I, I think there might be a little less opportunity for Jalen Hurts to break into that number one, number two tier, I guess, and I also think that Hurts is a little bit closer to Burrow and Lamar Jackson. But that said, I mean, these are all great options here. But again, like if I have a top two pick, Hurts isn't going to be on my team. Yeah, I I guess this this does make sense to talk about in sense in the uh, startup situation. I think you got to think about this with the context of like a league and like, is there a significant value gap between Hurts and these top two guys? I don't think there is a whole lot of air between them. Uh, Hertz is my QB three as well, but I think he definitely belongs in this top tier. If you look over the last two seasons uh, combined, Hertz and Patrick Mahomes have actually averaged the same points per game, 23 and a half uh, over that time period. Yes, like Hertz was a little bit lower in 2021, made up that gap last year, as you mentioned, with the uh, better performance uh, compared to Mahomes and Allen. Uh, I think he answered all doubters last year. The only reason I would put him at QB three versus those other two is because they have longer histories, more brand name recognition, like you mentioned. So uh, 
I, I, I don't have any any qualms with uh, putting Hertz in that top tier. And if I drop down to the second tier, that's where Joe Burrow at QB4 all the way down to Kyler Murray at QB9 uh, sit for me for that second tier. Yeah, Trey, I think that's an important point that you brought up. Like if we if we look at this without the lenses of a startup, I do think that that closes the gap a bit because if I'm looking to trade for a quarterback, like if I'm looking for a for an elite quarterback and say the guys that oh that that are uh, Mahomes managers or Josh Allen managers aren't budging, I think that Hertz is obviously the next guy, and I'm going to pay a very similar price. So, I I, I think that I think that's a, a good way to to frame that. I I think it's a lot closer when you put it into the, that context. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I I do have Jalen Hurts in the same tier as Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, I would like if I could get a second on top of Hurts you know, to move off of Mahomes or Allen, I would do that pretty easily. A third, I I mean, if they're in the same tier, I guess you would technically say you would do it for a third as well. Like, but I don't know. I just think like market sentiment wise, it probably indicates that you don't have to do that. Right. Yeah. So I guess like Trey, would you do Jalen Hurts in a second uh, to move off of Allen or Mahomes? Or would you be looking for more? Would you settle for less? I think it's free money, right? So if you can get um, a, a extra second round pick uh, to move off of Mahomes or Allen, yeah, I, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, that's a no for me, Doug. I, I I see what you mean. Like it's it's like a a free draft pick, but we've also said fuck a future too, and I don't know. I I think that. I don't know. That's just not enough. It's just not enough. Wait, to whoever said you. whoever said fuck a future two? That's like a co- completely against my dynasty. I, 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 I tend to say I tend to say fuck a future two. I just I don't think like future second thirds are like I, I do think they're overrated. Um, but okay. in this case, there's not enough air between these guys to for that to be a difference maker. It just okay. If that trade landed in my inbox, I'd kind of be like, yeah, I'm I'm good on that. Like. I don't know. I wouldn't be seeking out trying to send this offer either. It's just like it's I don't know. I don't like it. Smells it's not bad. really it's not really a great trade, but I, I this is more of a value study. And in that case, yeah, I think it's free money. Yeah. OK, so m- moving on outside of Jalen Hurts, though, like after Jalen Hurts, what is tier two for you? So, Trey, you mentioned it's Burrow through Murray. So can you just like rattle off the names that are in tier two for you? For and sure. Maybe like a guy that you're targeting there that you think is is a little bit undervalued. For sure. So Burrow at four, uh, Lamar Jackson at five, Justin Fields at six, uh, Justin Herbert at seven, Trevor Lawrence at eight and Kyler Murray at nine. Uh, even with all the injury questions around Murray, I think he belongs in that uh, top list. Obviously, you can get him much cheaper than the other guys in that range. Uh, I think the one name in there that I'm higher on than you guys, at least, is Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I don't have as many concerns about him losing that job. I think he's set up for success in that Chicago system. And we already saw last year his upside is uh, higher than Herbert and Lawrence. So, um, But it's close, and they're all it's a, it's a similar tier for me. Mitch, what's your tier two look like? My tier two is Hertz, Lamar, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. I, I have a smaller tier here where I think these are the all of these guys are at least in the conversation to be a top one or top two 
quarterback this year or the next couple, I guess, next two or three years. And then I have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in their own tier at seven and eight, just because I I feel like those two uh, have the ability to take that step, but I don't think they're like quite there yet. But I, as I mentioned before, I think this tier two is really close to the to the top tier here. Gotcha. Okay, so my tier two is Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence. I do have a little bit of a tier break between Lawrence and Fields. We've kind of rehearsed that argument before. I am a little bit more concerned than Trey about Fields' ability to take the next step as a passer. Now, the guy I am targeting out of all of these guys is definitely Lamar Jackson, who Mm -hmm. is quarterback seven on keep trade cut. He's my quarterback five. I think Lamar Jackson and Todd Monken's scheme with how efficient Lamar Jackson has been, not just as a rusher, which we know he's one of the best of all time, if not the GOAT, um, on on like a points per drop back basis, Lamar Jackson is elite. Um, He is a very underrated passer. And they're going essentially from one of the slowest offenses in the league in Greg Roman to probably one of the fastest, if not certainly above average in pace of play. I think they're going to pass over expectation a lot. So Lamar Jackson, we know he's going to get it done on the ground, but I think with Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham coming in, I'm just so excited about Lamar Jackson. I think, you know, he's an easy candidate for QB one in redraft this year. Me too, man. Lamar is my quarterback four, and he is my most rostered quarterback. And I'm excited to say that out loud. That felt good. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's get into this next quarterback topic here in our rankings as we move through them. And I think after we get outside of that tier two, that's where we start to see the 2023 rookies show up in the ranks. So Trey, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, these are the top three guys out of 2023, top five to six picks in the rookie drafts. Where do they show up for you in the ranks? All right. So at 10, I've got Tua. And then after Tua, I've got the three rookies all right next to each other, 11, 12, 13. And then following those rookies, I've got uh, Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. Uh, In terms of order, I'm sticking with uh, where I landed uh, post-draft. I'm still the highest on C.J. Stroud out of the three. I just think uh, his passing history at Ohio State is going to translate nicely. And I've got some faith in that um, coaching staff coming in from San Francisco. So I got Stroud at 11 and then Bryce Young at 12 and then Anthony Richardson Uh, I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of Richardson with having him ranked as my 13th quarterback. Uh, I get the upside arguments. I do. Uh, I just think that the other guys are much stronger bets to still be in the league in two or three years. So Mitch, um, keep trade cut. Anthony Richardson is quarterback nine. I have him 10. Trey just mentioned he's got him 13. You've got him quarterback nine. So you're with the market here. Talk to us about Anthony Richardson and these top three rookies. Yeah, he's still the top rookie for me. I have him at nine, like you said, one above Kyler Murray. And he is, so what is this? This is my fourth tier of quarterbacks. He is at the top of that tier. And this uh, this tier here is Anthony Richardson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, and then I have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud coming in at 13 and 14, and then Daniel Jones is rounding out that tier. So the way I look at this tier is, first of all, all of these guys have a lot of upside. 
I just think there are a lot of question marks, too. And Anthony Richardson, I mean, he's the wild card, right? He's got some question marks. But as Trey mentioned, there's a there's some upside there. And if he hits in, in Indy, I, I really think that this dude, not only this year will be a quarterback one, but for for years to come. So I, I, I can't I can't put him any lower in my rankings because I do want a piece of him. And uh, now that I think about it, I don't have any Anthony Richardson. Fuck. <laughs> well, uh, we're in some leagues together where I have Anthony Richardson, so you can come knock on my door. We can make something happen. But Anthony Richardson, I actually just moved him below Kyler Murray. Uh, so I, I'm erring towards Kyler Murray at 10 and then Richardson at 11. But that doesn't mean I'm not excited about Anthony Richardson. I have several shares of him coming out of the rookie draft season. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited about Bryce Young uh, as well. He's my quarterback 12. And then I got CJ Stroud at quarterback 15. So I feel a little bit differently about um, the, the translation to the NFL than Trey does. I think there's some questions as to if he's going to be able to succeed outside of that Ohio State system. Uh, with all those top end first round receivers that he was with. Um, it remains to be seen. I, I think what one thing that I'm potentially underrating with CJ Stroud is he unlocked a little bit of rushing upside towards the end of his college career, especially in that game against Georgia. Um, so if he continues that into the NFL, CJ, CJ Stroud could be a huge value right now. So I will concede that. But for now, I'm hedging my bets uh, a little bit below market. One guy I wanted to talk about really quickly, I think Trey mentioned him uh, as uh, and Mitch, uh, he's a little bit further down y'all's ranks than mine, but Deshaun Watson, I have him quarterback nine, um, you know, usual caveats apply here about Deshaun Watson and whether or not you want to roster him on your teams uh, because of his past, um, completely respect that. I do think Deshaun Watson was absolutely horrid last year after taking two years off, but um, I really like that Browns offense. I really mm-hmm. like their offensive line. I really like Elijah Moore coming over, Amari Cooper. You know, Trey will will say Amari Cooper, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL, right? I, I um, am this year. You know, Change my tune. Donovan Peoples Jones. Who? Um, I, I think like they've they're Cedric Tillman, they just drafted the kid uh, Your boy. in the third round. Eli. So yeah, I, Eli, I, yeah. man. Yeah, I said Elijah Moore was the first name I said. <laughs> go go back and you know, okay, all right, re- all right. rewind 30 seconds. But I do think if Deshaun Watson returns to that 2020 form, um, he's a huge value right now. Um, but wanted to give you guys a little bit of an opportunity, especially Trey, because you've got Watson all the way down at 15 behind the rookies and Dak Prescott. Yeah, I think people are penciling him in as the same guy he was in Houston, pre-suspension, pre-harassment uh, nonsense. And um, I mean, based on last year, I think we have to group him closer to guys like Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins than these top tier of quarterbacks. The market's got him as a top 12 in a keep trade cut. I think he's QB 11. Uh, I've got him at 15, like you mentioned. So he's one of my biggest sells in this range. Uh, but, you know, if he... If that system, for all the reasons that you mentioned, can take a step forward, then uh, then yeah, I mean it's it's decent value. Um, I doubt that you're going to see the the top five quarterback season out of Watson, but I think he can give you some reliable uh, low end QB one production for years that that offense can turn around. Yeah, I I guess I'm a little more bullish though uh, because those top five quarterback numbers that he put up three years in a row in Houston. 
those are Josh Allen type numbers. Like uh, in 2020, he put up 435 fantasy points. Um, I I know last year was terrible, but I I don't know what anybody would expect out of somebody that just dealt with all of that stuff, was a part of all that stuff, and suspended not playing all that. Like it's a difficult recipe for success, and I think that a full off season with the team. With this new offense, uh, I I think that there's more a chance of him finishing top six than uh, than him not. I, I I do think that like he's in that conversation and should be in that conversation. Yeah, I mean the other thing, Mitch kind of referenced it, but Deshaun Watson wasn't even able to like practice with the team until uh, about a month before he stepped in. Uh, so it was like middle of the season when he was able to, you know, practice. So with like a full training camp under his belt, I mean, we'd expect him to definitely get better. Um, but there's a long way between better and 2020 Deshaun Watson. So, um, you know, see what Trey is saying there in terms of like, after what we saw last year, it, it, it might pay to be a, a little bit on the bear side, but obviously I am the, the biggest bull in the bullpen here. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll definitely kind of keep track of that. That'll be kind of a storyline to watch in the first month is how that Browns offense is firing. Okay, next, you know, little topic or cluster of guys I want to talk about here. It actually kind of boils down to two guys. It's Daniel Jones and Tua Tungavailoa. And I think, you know, as I look kind of across the dynasty landscape, I think for a lot of rankers, a lot of market services, these two players, Jones and Tungavailoa, exist on like a borderline between a quarterback you're really happy to roster, but also a quarterback that you're nervous might just fall apart, right? We've seen bad Danny Dimes in the past. We've seen Tua get hurt several times uh, going back to college and then with the concussions last year. And looking at our consensus ranks, we're a bit divided on how we feel about these players head-to-head. So I do want to talk about that, who you prefer between Daniel Jones and Tua, but also take a step back and discuss like where that borderline exists for you personally. Because we've kind of talked about this Tier 2, Tier 3, but where does it happen where you're like, I really like this guy as my QB2, maybe even QB1, depending on my startup, went... And where do you start to get really nervous? So, Mitch, Jones versus Tua first. I think this is the perfect point here where uh, there's a massive tear break for me. Daniel Jones is quarterback 15 and Tua is quarterback 16. But the 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 diff between the two is a lot larger than that when you factor in the, the other players involved. Like uh, Daniel Jones... I, I have confidence in, like you said, like you're. I, I would be excited to have him as my quarterback too. He's got wheels. Uh, Dayball really unlocked those. He had 120 rush attempts last year, averaging like six yards a clip. Uh, he signed a new contract, so there's some long-term value insulation here. And I'm not afraid to literally watch him play football like I am with Tua. So. Uh, the, like I mentioned, the the price issue, even though they're right next to each other in my ranks, um, the according to Bulletproof ADP, players like Mark Andrews, Devontae Smith, Drake London, JSN, Stefan Diggs are all going after Tua, but before Daniel Jones. And I would much rather have those player uh, those players instead of Tua and then snag Daniel Jones in the next round. 
Yeah, this is an interesting kind of division point here, since uh, if you look at just 2022, both of them averaged exactly 18.4 points per game on the season. Uh, I am much higher on Tua than you are, Mitch. Mm -hmm. I've got Tua as my QB 10, uh, and I have Daniel Jones in that next tier down at QB 16 after Dak and Watson. Uh, If you look at their per game rates last year, Daniel Jones only had 200 yards passing. Uh, and only had 15 passing touchdowns. So only averaging one passing touchdown a game last year. Compare that to Tua, who averaged 273 and two touchdowns a game passing. Uh, The obvious difference being Daniel Jones is giving you all of those extra fantasy points with his legs, like you mentioned, 700 rushing yards and seven touchdowns there in last season. I think it's important to point out that, yes, like we saw the dabble effect with Jones. He was a very accurate passer. He had good... Uh, efficiency metrics last year but he also had one of the lowest average depths of target in the league Uh, only six and a half a dot number 31 in the league all of his passing last year was close to the line of scrimmage the only real weapon they've added for him is darren waller so uh jalen hyatt can the jalen hyatt okay come on all right he helps with depth of target a a third round rookie a third round rookie and a, a hurt Wandale Robinson coming back from last year. So there's some other pieces that are different, but really the, like we don't know who that uh, wide receiver one's going to be. So, but let me just go back to the players themselves. I'm confident Tua is one of the best passers in the league. Sure. Uh, he put up similar accuracy and efficiency numbers on one of the best a dots in the league at number three, his we- weapons are elite. I think it's a great situation with that Mike McDaniel offense uh, that injury risk, I think, is baked into his price. I think that's why you're getting Tua mm-hmm. two rounds after you're getting guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, even though he's shown that same level of upside when healthy. Uh, I'm not confident that Jones is a great passer until they start pushing it downfield more with him. Yeah, he's got a nice floor with the rushing, uh, but it's hard for me to see him improving much better as a passer. He's been in the league for four years now. Tua has been in the league for three. Daniel Jones has been in the league for four years. I think we've seen what we're going to get with him out as, out as, uh, as a passer. I don't think that's fair with Daniel Jones, man. Like he he had a rough start to his career. He he had the coaching changes, and now there's reason for optimism. The Giants are starting to actually hit their stride. He's got a good coach. Uh, I I think that Daniel Jones is going to continue taking steps in the right direction. I also, though, agree with you on Tua. I think he is one of the best passers. I I really wish that he wasn't going through all of these injury problems, but that's not the case. That's what's that's what's happening here. So um, I also think that the Dolphins are interested in Dalvin Cook, like like they've been linked to uh, drafting a chain. I think that the Dolphins are going to try and run the ball a little bit more this year to protect their quarterback as well. So I, you know, I'm, I'm with you in some capacity that like if, if Tua doesn't get hurt, then yeah, you're going to get a huge um, injury discount here, but I'm just scared, man. I've said it before. I'm scared, scared money. Don't make money. (laughs) Yeah. I think I, I, I'm, I'm more on the side of Trey. I'm not as aggressive on Tua uh, as Trey is. Trey's got him at quarterback 10. I've got him kind of with the market at quarterback 14 according to keep trade cut at least i you know i i agree with mitch that yes they got dayball and that helped daniel jones a lot but i think what dayball did is he compressed that offense right and i think 
I don't, to Trey's point, I don't have any reason to believe that Daniel Jones can expand back out, right? I think what Dayball is doing is he's going to continue to compress that offense. The A dot is going to continue to be really low. Um, and last year, from a rushing perspective, was probably Daniel Jones's ceiling, like 700 yards and seven touchdowns. I don't see that, if anything, maybe a little bit of touchdown regression. So, again, my original question was like, where is the line where you start to get a little bit nervous about a quarterback that you roster? I think both of these quarterbacks for me exist kind of right below that line, to be honest. Like, I'm nervous about Tua because of the reasons Mitch is nervous about his concussion issues. Uh, I think that's a big deal. And then I am also nervous about Daniel Jones because I think he's a very limited player, basically. Um, and I don't see him getting much beyond a low-end QB1 in terms of points per game. I think we've probably seen his ceiling. But um, yeah, Trey, you had one more thing. Well, I was just going to answer that question. Uh, so that break for me, that comes after the rookies. It comes after Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson at 15. And then that next tier down, I think Daniel Jones is that top of that list for me. Uh, I, I would be really happy with Daniel Jones as my QB too. I would mm-hmm. just have a lot more question marks uh, with him uh, compared to someone like Tua, Dak, or Watson. All right. Uh, let's speaking of that next tier uh, that Daniel Jones, you know, may or may not be at the top of for us. I kind of see a tier of six to eight quarterbacks, kind of depending on your outlook, and not in order. I think these quarterbacks basically are. Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, kind of depending on your outlook. Basically, I think this is like between Daniel Jones all the way until you hit what I think is like the Billy bootcut wall, like the Will Levis wall. (laughs) So there's like this clump of players that I feel like you'd be reasonably happy to roster, but Trey of the players that I listed there, who are you targeting and who do you think does not belong in that list? So out of that clump, uh, I think the guy that I'm highest on is Kirk cousins. Uh, so keep trade cut has him down at a QB 23. I've got him uh, six spots higher. He's my QB 17. Uh, he's going as like a high-end QB2 on underdog leagues right now, or underdog best ball ADP. Uh, he's QB14, so um, clearly there's a huge discount here based off of his age. And I think the Vikings are committed to Cousins. They're building like a pretty strong offense around him uh, by investing in Jordan Addison in the draft. Uh, you know, Hawkinson is now there for the full offseason. Obviously, they've got the the wide receiver one and Justin Jefferson, so... All the pieces are in place. Cousins has shown the ability to really pop off because they've got one of the highest rates of uh, uh, passing the ball to running in the league. Uh, so it's a very pass-friendly offense. Uh, they're building a great system around him. And and yeah, I don't think he's like an elite talent. And that's why you're getting him in this middle tier. But all signs are pointing to me that this is great value uh, in these like middle QB tiers here. Yeah, in terms of projecting situation, uh, the the Vikings look pretty fun from a passing perspective. Obviously, they let Dalvin Cook go. Uh, they're promoting Alexander Madison to the top of their running back depth chart. Uh, Alexander Madison is fine, you know, but he's like not Dalvin Cook. I mean, from like prime Dalvin Cook was like a guy that you had to give the ball to, mm-hmm. right? Alexander Madison is not that guy. They already passed above expectation in terms of uh, neutral situations. 
And yeah, Jordan Addison replacing Adam Thielen uh, and TJ Hawkinson, like when he came to that team last year, was just soaking up so many targets. And then we know about Justin Jefferson. So I like this. I have Kirk Cousins at quarterback 19, so I'm ahead of the market there, uh, but obviously below Trey. Uh, but this is making me want to move him above uh, Jared Goff and Geno Smith uh, a little bit. So Mitch, you look like the bear on Kirk Cousins at quarterback 21. Uh, which is still ahead of market. It's it's worth mentioning Insane. there. But can you that's crazy? Can you can you talk about you know why you're maybe not as um, you know excited about Cousins in 2023 as Trey and I? So I'll stop you there. I I am excited about Kirk Cousins in 2023. Uh, the this is more my my dynasty ranks kicking in here. I I think that Cousins is probably at the top of this tier here um, with uh, with the guys you mentioned like Lance, Gino, Russ, Pickett, Goff. But I do have some of these guys higher. I just, I think it depends on the build. And the further down uh, the list we go, the, the more context is, is necessary. So uh-huh. if we're talking startup and we have a top five quarterback and we're going to contend, then, I, then I'd have cousins first easily. Followed by like Rogers, Geno, Russ, Goff, I'd say. But if we're going high upside with a strong stable of wide receivers and running backs, uh, kind of similar to what I did in the TLG four league, I'd be more partial to guys like Trey Lance, Kenny Pickett, or uh, Wamblem, Bootcut, Billy. So I, I think Brock Purdy is probably the guy that doesn't belong most in this tier to me, and I just. I think that because he's recovering from that busted elbow and he's going to miss training camp and let's not forget that he he also wasn't like that great of a of a fantasy quarterback anyway. So even if he wins that job, it's I feel like he's a pretty replaceable dude, but I don't know. He's he's proven everybody wrong so far. Yeah, and I I'm going to disagree with you there. I think Purdy belongs and I think uh, his teammate Trey Lance does not belong in this tier. Uh, I don't think the organization is committed to Trey Lance anymore at this point. Uh, so I, I would drop him down into that next group in like the the mid to late 20s uh, because I think it's going to be Purdy's job to lose. And he, by all reports, uh, seems to be uh, progressing nicely with his recovery. And to, to quote our, our, our friend John, uh, I would just I would just drop Trey Lance, just drop him. <laughs> I don't think it's going to hurt you that much at this point, to be honest. Like, Damn. He is not. I, I, I think it's over. Not, I think I, I still think he's going to get a shot or wild in the NFL. So no, no, I'm, Hey, look, <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you, Mitch. I personally, I think all of these quarterbacks belong in this tier. Like I don't have a quarterback that I believe doesn't belong out of the eight names I mentioned. Hmm. Um, of all the guys, I'm probably, targeting let's if we move on from um the cousins thing i'll probably target russell wilson the most out of all of them uh i think russell wilson right now is quarterback 23 and keep trade cut i've got him at quarterback 21 so you know i mean i I think kirk cousins is my primary target here but russell wilson would come next um and then i think there's just like a huge for me personally, tear break after Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, uh, that San Francisco quandary, and Will Levis or Wham Balam boot cut Billy. Whoa. So let's let's talk about Will Levis a little bit. Mitch, uh, he is a Tennessee Titan. 
Uh, as we all know, you are a Titans fan, so would be interested to hear your thoughts about where you have Will Levis in your ranks and you know what you might be thinking about him going into 2023, uh, ostensibly starting behind Ryan Tannehill, but that could change. All right. Looks like I have Will Levis at quarterback 28. Um, I I think, Tarek, last episode, you busted my balls a bit for saying I saw player X go here in a startup, but I've seen Will Levis go anywhere from pick seven overall to like pick 17 overall in rookie drafts. And he's kind of all over the place. And his bulletproof ADP is the, the sixth pick in the ninth round. So I think that's pretty good value. Uh, but I personally expect Tanny to start most of the year, if not all the year in Tennessee. Uh, he's been he's been banged up, but if if the Titans are going to have the ideal season that, that they have in store, I, I think that uh, William Bootcut is going to be riding the pine because Tannehill, let's not forget, like was a very under-the-radar quarterback one the last two out of three years because of his rushing ability. And I do expect Will Levis to to have that same ability whenever he starts. I, I just don't know if that starting is going to come until like late in the season, if the Titans are actually bad, or if we're going to have to wait till next year to see him. It's it's interesting because I didn't expect you to be the low guy out of the three of us on Will Levis. Uh, and then I checked Keep Trade Cut. He's currently QB 30. So you're actually closer to market than Tarek and I am currently on Levis. Uh, it's weird because I, I mean, go back to what I said in the draft. Like, I don't think hit rates on second round quarterbacks are uh, very strong at all. It's I don't think it's very encouraging for his long term outlook. Uh, I compared his upside to something like Jimmy G, uh, even honestly, like Ryan Tannehill, to be honest, in that mm-hmm. offense. Um, I don't think you need to overpay for a round two QB by any stretch until they prove it to you like Jalen Hurts did. Uh, but I'm ahead of market on them. Uh, cause I guess like, I think they invested a high enough pick in them to where they do intend for him to start sooner than later. I think we will see uh meaningful reps for Levis this year, or at least that's what I'm projecting into this rank. Uh, you know, maybe I'll have to adjust accordingly once the season starts, but I think it's fair to have him in that same range as guys like Jordan love, uh, Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr, where I think there's uh, question marks about how long they're going to be uh, starters in this league as well. Yep. Uh, I have him quarterback 25 as well, uh, which surprised me. Um, but it's essentially like if it, all things being equal for a dynasty team, right? So not really projecting, am I a contender or a rebuilder? Um, I just would rather have, you know, the upside of the young guy than the guys I have behind him in uh, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Jordan Love. Mac Jones uh, and even his teammate Ryan Tannehill so again like I'm not a huge fan of his talent um, and you know I'm not super bullish on him becoming like a a high-end quarterback two or or QB one but um, in this range I think it's worth just taking the upside shot all right so moving uh, climbing the Billy bootcut wall uh, this last topic I want to talk about uh, similar to what we discussed at the end of the wide receiver episode is who's a player outside of the top 24 according to keep trade cut that you are targeting and since i've been doing the host thing and throwing it to y'all every question i'm actually going to take this first 
I just mentioned his name, but Matthew Stafford is my quarterback 26. So he's right behind Will Levis in my ranks. Right now, he is quarterback, bear with me, 31 on keep trade cut. So I've got him, you know, five or six spots ahead of the quarterback consensus there, according to the market. I think of the guys in this range, like between Jordan Love and Derek Carr, et cetera, I think Matthew Stafford has the best chance in 2023 to net out low-end quarterback one production, right? So essentially return to the quarterback 11 or 12 in points per game that he was putting up before his injury-riddled season last year. I think we, I, I'm pretty much assuming health for him and Cooper Cup next year. Um, I think, you know, last year, a little bit of a blip in that Sean McVay offense. Uh, I'd expect it to kind of return to be an above average offense um, in 2023. So I just think like you can basically get the the really solid potential at a low end QB one, if not a quarterback two for essentially like uh, a low end second round pick uh, in 2024. And I think that's really attractive. Um, yeah, I yeah. completely agree with you on Stafford. He's he's a huge discount right now. And I mentioned earlier, I think Cooper Cup is going to be one of the highest valued receivers this year in your redraft leagues. And someone's got to throw him the ball and it's going to be Steph. Yeah, it ain't going to be Stetson Bennett. It's going to be Stafford. And man, Stafford almost put up 500 fantasy points just, just two years ago. I, I think yeah. we're going to find some happy medium here. And that that's probably going to be quarterback one numbers. I, I think the... The problem is what he's thirty-five and uh, dealing with uh, what, like an elbow or something like that. I don't know yeah. if it's completely healed, but I mean, what Stafford should have two to three years left, easy. Yeah, if you can pay a a second round pick, honestly, even if it's one year left, like even if it's one year and you've got the chance at low end quarterback one production for a quarterback thirty-one price tag. Um, that's like Sam Howell money. So yeah, uh, agreed. I'm, I'm into yeah. it. Trey, who's who's a player outside of the top 24 you're targeting? All right. So I've got a couple names here, but the number one for me in this range is Mac Jones. Because uh, I think like you're getting a really, really huge discount on Jones after the uh, dumpster fire that was the Pats offense last year. Uh, there was essentially no adult in the room. It was Matt Patricia just doing whatever he wanted. And it was like one of the least creative, least efficient offenses in the NFL. Now they're bringing in Bill O'Brien. He's coming back to the NFL <laughs> from a couple years in Bama. Uh, so I do think that that's important because they he's already got that connection with Jones from his time at Bama. I do think he can be the adult in the room and at least get that to like a league average offense in terms of creativity and effectiveness. And we're super high on Stevenson um let's not forget how jones like how good he was as a rookie i mean he at times and maybe even overall for his rookie year was the most efficient rookie in that class uh they did bring in juju and gasecki who aren't great talents but they should be decent enough for jones and uh you know right now new england is the favorite to get deandre hopkins as well uh so if you factor in that potential upside uh this is a very very cheap first round quarterback who's only like 24 years old um, I, I think, uh, getting him as the QB 27 on keep trade cut. That's, that's just, especially if you're not really competing this year, I think that's pretty much free money. Hmm. Uh, not, I don't know, man. I, 
I worry about him. I feel like he's not long for a uh, starting gig in the NFL. And I, I think we might see some Bailey Zappi this year. And I know that's that's a little, uh, a little much for for you, Trey. But, <laughs> but uh, that's about where my faith is in uh, in Mac right now. Yeah. Did he get benched at one point last year? Yeah, and Zappi wasn't that? ready though, but he did get benched, and then. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I read that they were also shopping Mac Jones this offseason, and that just that even further soured my my uh, my outlook on him, which which might be stupid because that might be complete bullshit. But well, the good news is you don't have to pay a lot to get him right now. Right. And this is a first round quarterback who is probably still going to be in the league longer than your boy Trey Lance will. Uh, the other name in this uh, area that I uh, think is like a pretty good value and someone we really haven't talked about a lot is Desmond Ritter hey, in Atlanta. That's my uh, guy, bro. Oh, that's your guy? Well, yeah, no, I don't want to steal your thunder, no, you're, but, you're but I mean, that was one of the most efficient offenses in the league with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league with mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mariota there last year. So I do think Ritter is a step up for Mariota and could surprise some people. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I got Desmond Ritter and I have Sam Howell as my my fun choices here outside of the top 24 because they're both relatively unknown still, and uh, they both have that rushing upside, and they're they're building decent talent around both of them as well. So you can get either of them in the tenth round of a startup, and I think that's that's worth around the same price as like Rasheed Rice or James Conner or Brian Robinson, essentially like a twenty twenty three mid second. So. I feel like you could do worse and uh, you could win big if one of these dudes takes uh, some strides forward. And and I know yes. I, I just said for Levis, like, don't bet on these uh, day two, day three quarterbacks uh, until they prove it, you know, so I wouldn't like break the bank for either of these guys. I definitely prefer Ritter to Howell. Um, I think Howell is very likely to lose reps to Brissett this year. But um, I just think that the the situation is lining up to where there's so many good pieces around Ritter between that O-line and the pass catchers, mm-hmm. the RB1 with Bijan Robinson, that that could be a fun offense. I think it's going to be fun. The, when Trey, when you mentioned Geno Smith earlier in the episode about Smith being essentially the cheapest starting quarterback uh, in the league a year ago that you got a lot of, it remind, the first name I thought of was Sam Howell. Um, and it, it's, it's comparable to Geno Smith because at this point a year ago, we weren't quite sure if it was going to be Drew, Geno Smith or Drew Locke. So I think it's like comparable that it, it could be Jacoby Brissett. It could be Sam Howell. Um, so I, I'm actually below market on Sam Howell. I have him as my quarterback 32. Keep trade cut has him at quarterback 28. Um, but it's not a, a high price to pay if, you know, history repeats itself a little bit here with like the, one of the cheapest starting QBs in the NFL uh, turning out to return a lot of value. Tarek, I, I'm going to have to correct you here. Uh, Trey and I were very confident last year that Gino was going to be the guy and not uh, Drew Locke. <laughs> I, okay. I don't know about well, Barry. I, I was placing my bets on Gino, but um, I, I that's that's why I that's why I surround myself with sharks. Yeah, I love well, love you too, man. Uh, if I if I could point to potential Genos for this year, I think you, you've we've mentioned some good names already. Uh, some of the other guys that are like the cheapest projected starters, probably Baker Mayfield in uh, Tampa, mm-hmm. um, extremely unsexy, but that's why you can get them for basically free. 
And then Jimmy G in Vegas, no. uh, you know, with McDaniels coming there. I mean, that's about as cheap as it possibly gets. Yeah, there's this dented can special right there. But uh, <laughs> I like, uh, God, who did you say before? Jimmy G and it threw, threw me through. Mayfield. Mayfield, Baker. yeah. I think Mayfield, if he, whichever quarterback wins the starting job there, has got quite a few good targets to throw it to. So, yeah, next to free Kyle Trask and Baker fucking Mayfield, like, why not? I I don't think it's going to be Trask, guys. I think it's going to be Baker. I mean, Baker stepped in for a hurt Stafford last year and looked pretty competent in that offense. And, yeah, I think arguably um, the weapons he'll have in Tampa now are better than that Rams offense minus Cooper Cup. If, if we're being honest, I'm pretty sure it's going to be both of those dudes at some point during the season. But but and that goes back to Geno Smith from last year because yeah. that's exactly what we said about mm-hmm. Geno and Drew Locke. And when the bets are this cheap, it doesn't hurt to take a couple flyers for your rebuilder or your contender. Amen. A backup quarterback um, that I would be looking on waivers for personally is Jameis Winston. Um, I think Derek Carr. Uh, there's a reason the the Raiders wanted to move on from him. Uh, Carr felt disrespected there and then, you know, found a pretty good landing spot in New Orleans. But in the event uh, that Carr gets hurt or he gets benched, uh, Jameis Winston is a walking fantasy point. Um, so, yeah, true. That's that's a backup quarterback that I would think about stashing on the end of your roster. Him, him and uh, Sean Clifford, baby, uh, actually older than Jordan Love and uh Probably better. <laughs> I, so I'll be honest. I don't even know who Sean Clifford is. Is that Penn the State, backup dude. for Green Bay? Yeah. Or, uh, okay. so, well, for now. Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, because known Jordan Love hater here. I, yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about Sean Clifford. Uh, so it looks like I have some homework to do after this podcast. Um, but okay, that is going to do it uh, for our quarterback ranks episode. I think we went pretty systematically through the top 35 or so quarterbacks there. So hopefully you guys got some mileage out of the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at angry Tarek. Mitch is at morals in charge and Trey is at Trey crying. If you've got beef or if you know, you want to shout out or if you just want to tell me happy Algerian independence day, I would really appreciate that. So, um, I appreciate you guys. That's going to do it for episode 89. We'll see you next time. We'll talk about running backs. Thanks, guys. Goodbye.